springtime tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine and More. Everybody loves honey glazed carrots, a great side dish for your springtime celebration, and a delicious compliment to a sweet, bright Moscato. Wine is made in virtually every country in the world, and I'm ready to give you a tour to find the right one. Serving lamb this season? Try it with a bold Cabernet from the trendy Paso Robles region. Whether you're hosting or just bringing the wine, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection this spring at Total Wine and More. Cheers! The following is a Zima Podcasting Network production. He did the monster match. The monster match. It was a graveyard smash. He did the match. It caught on in a flash. He did the match. He did the monster match. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Bolt your windows, lock your doors, turn out the lights. We are here with the May edition of Monsters at Midnight. I'm your host, your favorite escaped mass murderer on the loose, about to terrorize your airwaves, Matt Schaefer, and with me hot off the laboratory of Zima Podcasting Productions is Dr. Graham Zima. How do you do tonight? What's going on? And we've got... Hopefully a high-energy show for you. I'm <laughs> doing my best. But, no, we've got some good stuff to talk about tonight. We're going to start off with some horror movie news. Because um, there's a, a decent amount of horror movie news we've had in the past couple weeks. Yeah, decent amount. We're going to look at some Texas Chainsaw <laughs> stuff, some Universal Monsterverse stuff, and a new flick from zombie maestro George A. Romero. I should preface, I did steal The Strangers 2 discussion away from you on the no, movie that's, madness that's totally fine i wasn't i i know nothing about it so that's fine blasphemy um right. and then we're gonna finish off with some topics some editorial topics that me and graham are gonna discuss get the shouts out out of the way sema podcasting network has a website and we if suck. you don't know that already you, you know <sighs> it now and you should be checking it out um <laughs> Our ghoul in the corner finds that funny. Shut the fuck up. I like how you make your own sound effects. Because I don't have the soundboard anymore. (laughs) Okay, so, yeah, check out the website. Stuff is up there significantly earlier than on iTunes or Spreaker. But if you still want to follow us on those, too, we'd appreciate it. Got to check out all the other shows. Monsters. At Midnight is the one you're listening to now because I'm a fucking moron. Movie Madness is the other one. Live in the Dream, which should be mounting a comeback soon. Live in the Dream cast, which I don't know what the current state of that is. Oh, I should probably fill people in on that. So, um, for those of you who have listened to the first three episodes, I know you're probably wondering, like, what happened to it? It just (laughs) went away. Um, We've had two shows that have been canceled. This one is not canceled. I, I guarantee it. We had to do a little bit of um, house cleaning, I guess I should say, to put it politely. Hmm. We've got the same host. We've got new co-hosts. Hmm. Stay tuned. We're not going to be bringing it back until this fall. So unfortunately, for those of you that were fans of it, you're going to have to wait a few months until we bring it back. But when we bring it back in the new studio... You're gonna enjoy it because we it, it, it's gonna get good. Trust me, it's gonna it's coming back. I know people are you're probably wondering, yeah, what where it went, but it is coming back. No worries there. Um, it'll be a little bit different. Yes, audience member. <laughs> that is currently in a little graveyard somewhere, never to be seen Hopefully again. Never to be resuscitated. I've already given my spiel as to why that is, that's not a thing anymore. And the same thing with uh, the UFC one. That one's just part of living the dream now. That's what I've decided. Um, but that being said, living the dream cast is coming back. Have no fears. Stay tuned for details. I feel like I'm missing a show. Monsters of World Midnight. of Wall. World of Wall. Yeah, that World bastard. I don't know. He doesn't sound like he's going to try recording during the summer, but I'm going to make him do it anyway. Holy he's contractually shit. obligated. I'll sue him in federal court. We'll chain him up in our dungeon and do awful things to him oh, until Jesus. he complies. 
Um, all right. Anyway, moving on to Monsters at Midnight. On a sl- uh, hopefully a less less molesty, creepy vibe, just plain old creepy. Um, Javier Bardem is in talks to play the Frankenstein monster for Universal's MonsterVerse. For those of you unfamiliar, uh, they're new here or don't like horror movies in general, in which case, why the fuck are you listening? Get out of here, pussy. Um, the Universal Studios is trying to revive a lot of their classic monster movie franchises by creating a Marvel-esque cinematic universe with The Mummy due out this summer. They have already are establishing ties to, it, to this universe by having Russell Crowe as Dr. Jekyll and presumably Mr. Hyde in... This new mummy movie. They have a planned, a new planned Frankenstein movie. A new oh, shit. Now I'm making a fool of myself. I forget what Wolf else they have. Man. Is it? Are they doing new Wolfman? Well, I, I want to say they're doing a new here's creature what it from is. Black Lagoon too. They're theoretically doing all of these movies. They're doing the whole Van Helsing. They're yeah. doing Wolfman. I think they're, they're doing, doing another Bride of Frankenstein. Invisible Man. Invisible Man. That's right. Johnny Depp is playing the Invisible Man. That's kind of cool. Um, I love that book. I have not read the book. The only book I've book. read out of like that like classic monster kind of era, well, not really era, but the classic monster tale I've read is Frankenstein, yeah. which is a great book. And never really done full justice. As good as much as I like the Boris Karloff film, there's never really been a, like, a solid, true adaptation of that book. I still need to see the Kenneth Branagh one, but I hear that one's kind of weird. Um, that when means, you say when you say the adaptation, do you mean like in terms of just faithfulness to the source material? So, ever, so many. I, as far as I can see, the Kenneth Branagh one is probably one of the closest ones. So you're saying that sort of like more I mean, medieval is not the right term. It's not. Um, it's not. It doesn't even have to do with the set piece. It can be. It has to do with the fact about like the whole philosophy of man trying to play God. The dichotomy between Frankenstein and his creation, how the creation resents Frankenstein. We've seen aspects of that, but we've never really seen a true story, true tale that like. Because in that book, Frankenstein is a like the the Doctor Victor Frankenstein is a piece of shit. He is just a wormy human being. He's almost the villain. Whereas, like, obviously the monster is doing heinous acts and stuff. It's all out of retaliation for being rejected. I think we get some of that in the Kenneth Branagh movie, but with a, it's a Kenneth Branagh production. His ego is in charge of the whole thing, so I'm sure it paints him as the hero the whole time. Kind of excited to see what he does with Murder on the Orient Express, though. That intrigues me. But regardless, um, I want to see a good true to the original story adaptation of the novel where the monster isn't villainized from the get-go where we actually get to see some kind of the nearest i've seen is actually on the tv series penny dreadful which actually had a really good uh adaptation of the original monster but yeah javier bardem is in talks to play the monster with his newfound role as some creepy-looking dude in uh, Pirates of the Caribbean 5. Captain Salazar, I think is the name. Yep. So, he's got the creepy makeup thing rocking for him already. He's always played someone that's got some kind of weird makeup attribute, whether it's hair or anything else. So, Graham, what do you think? Javier Bardem is Frankenstein Monster. <clears throat> I'm all for it. Let's do it. Let's make it happen. He's a creepy looking dude, not gonna lie. <laughs> Actually, I mean, to be perfectly real, uh, Javier Bardem is one of my favorite actors. I think that he is one of the best villain actors out there. Um, See, I think he's kind of a good looking dude when he's not like made up to look like weird. Yeah, he is a decent looking dude. Isn't he married to Penelope Cruz? Yeah, he yes. is married to Penelope Cruz. Makes sense. He's a good looking dude. Um, and he's definitely, like I said, not just No Country for Old Men, but Skyfall and stuff like that. And it looks like in this new Pirates of the Caribbean movie, obviously we haven't seen it yet, so we don't know 100% uh, yet. But it looks, I mean, he does a good job with these villain roles. 
Um, so I'm interested to see him play the monster. I, I, I already can imagine him as the monster. So that has it working in its advantage. Um, I, can, I, I, have a, I, I can easily picture him in that role. So that being said, um, I'm all for it. Let's let's see what 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 moves forward with this movie. Who else is going to be put around him? Uh, because the monster, while he's the forefront of the movie, you also have to remember that Victor Frankenstein is also the forefront of the movie. True. So who's going to be playing him? Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm 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 all for it. But uh, this this universe to me, we're obviously only a few weeks oh, a few weeks away from Mummy. I'm concerned about it. I'm concerned. I'm, really concerned about uh, I'm concerned. I mean. Obviously, they've had to restart, you know, start and restart this whole cinematic universe with, you know, Dracula Untold and stuff like that. Um, so that already has been raising some concerns. Uh, and obviously, the Mummy trailer, I mean, all of them have just done absolutely nothing for me whatsoever. So I, I, I have my concerns, but it's one of those things. If Look, if the, if the whole universe doesn't work out, maybe we get a few uh, standout solo movies. It's kind of what I'm. It's interesting. I've had that same sort of philosophy right now at the DC universe. I'm yeah. like, look, Wonder maybe it doesn't. Is apparently getting good pre reviews. It is getting way. decent reviews. It's one of those things, though. It, unfortunately, if it comes to the to the reality that the universe itself isn't going to mesh very well, well, maybe you know the the sort of light at the end of the tunnel will be a few solo movies that we can look back on fondly. Um, but yeah, that's my that's my two cents on Javier Bardem playing the Frankenstein monster. Yeah, um, I'd have to agree. I think Javier Bardem is uh, is a good choice. I think obviously it's not just because of his a- accent. He he has a very interesting speaking voice, a very kind of ominous speaking voice, regardless of his accent. I think that plays to his favor. Of course, he's no stranger to playing weird villainous roles. He's no stranger to effects makeup. I think it's going to work well for him. And yeah, I think that I, I'm i intrigued by this idea of a monster universe. The mummy isn't instilling any high hopes in me, but like you, if we can get something, at least a few tidbits in there that are worthwhile, then it's okay by me. I think it's cool. I mean, these are classic stories, so yeah, you can retell them however you want, whenever you want. So, I think, especially since Frankenstein is in the public domain, the the story at least anyone can tell it ever. So, I think we're also coming off that uh, we're coming off a few Frankenstein movies. We had the Victor Frankenstein, yeah. was it the uh, James McAvoy, Daniel Radcliffe film? We also. People may forget about this. I didn't because it's uh, continuing to ruin Aaron Eckhart's career. I, oh, Frankenstein. I Frankenstein. Well, that was based off a comic book, wasn't it? Yeah, it yeah. was. It I just got Frankenstein in the name. I heard so. that was fucking abysmal. Yeah, man. What What is he doing? Um, so he hopefully... Used to, he used to be in some really good movies. He did, yeah. And, and like I said, I think Aaron Eckhart, uh, he's got some potential, but... He was in Sully. You know, he's, he was pretty good in Sully. Uh, yeah, I should say, he's got the potential to be great. He just got to give him the right roles. Yeah. He's got to pick the right projects. But anyway, no, I... Yeah, we're coming off a few uh, few iterations of Frankenstein that haven't quite gotten the best reception possible. Right, yeah, so hopefully right. this will kickstart the... Uh, what I think is a very, very fascinating uh, origin story. I also read the the book like you in high school and really did enjoy it a lot. Mm. So um, it does, definitely deserves its sort of uh, time in the spotlight. Yeah, I, I will, like I said, if there's any kind of op- – I don't know what Universal is going to do to it, but I, if there's any kind of opportunity to see a, a more true-to-source material adaptation, I'm not usually one to gripe about that because movies and novels, they have their own right to be distinguished from each other. But I think – it comes to a point where, like, th- there are times where you're missing the entire point of the novel, and I think a lot of adaptations of Frankenstein have done that. It's a certain Stanley Kubrick movie starring Jack Nicholson, but arguably that movie is better than the book. So, yeah, Javier Bardem in talks to play the Frankenstein monster for Universal's uh, cinematic monster universe. The mummy is going to jumpstart that, and that's due out. Do you have a date on that? I don't have a date on that. I do not have a date. Soon, early June, I think. So, you talking about the mummy? 
Yeah, the Mummy. I don't know when Frankenstein is supposed to Let's come out. Say, I thought that you were asking about. Um, June ninth. June ninth. So Jesus. yeah, that's going to be the start of the Universal Cinematic Monster Universe. And speaking of uh, famous monster universes, 20th Century Fox is already negotiating more alien movies. Uh, Alien Covenant just came out. They've already got good box office numbers for it. It Uh, won the weekend, folks. Yeah, from from, uh, America and from uh, Europe as well. And it's predicted to do very well. Also, I mean, this this has been... This franchise has been a juggernaut for box office dollars, so it's no surprise that it's doing well. Um, I just read that they've uh, they've uh, not not necessarily greenlit, but they are uh, open to the possibility of more alien movies now because Covenant is faring so well and getting competent reviews. It's getting competent. Yeah, I've heard people say they don't like it. I've heard people say they really enjoyed it. I've heard some people say they liked it but didn't love it. It's kind of all over the board, but generally it's been pretty well received. And it's really shocking, though. I mean, this just shows the sort of competition that May has been bringing up. Uh, Alien Covenant did win the weekend, but it just narrowly edged out Guardians of the Galaxy 2, which has been out for a few weeks. So um, it's interesting. Once again, that's also a rated R film, too. So you're going to have a hard time really, you know pushing the hundred million dollar mark and so on and so forth True. but um yeah it, it was uh it's been met with some pretty good reception and, and, and pretty decent box office numbers uh what won the weekend out of curiosity alien covenant did win oh it did win. it did okay. win it just it was um it wasn't like a it wasn't slide. yeah it had a very narrow lead over All guardians right. of the galaxy 2 which is of course obviously still steam rolling through yeah um, i think give it a couple more weeks alien covenant's really gonna pick up oh, um yeah. but yeah, um, there was no. I, I didn't read anything. No word if Ridley Scott is going to be attached to further Alien sequels. If they're going to be continuations of this Prometheus series, or if they're going to be continuations of the original series. No word. Just that 20th Century Fox is open to more Alien movies. Graham, what do you think about that? All right. Well, I should preface this by saying. I've been making these false claims that I was going to see Alien Covenant this weekend. It never happened. I was going to say, I, I, I didn't see it. Either. I said I was going to see it Thursday. Well, Thursday didn't happen. I said I was going to see it Friday. Friday didn't happen. I even said today that I was going to see it today. Never saw it. So I was supposed to see it today, too. My favorite reference for Alien Covenant is, well, I don't have any. I do have, however, I have seen Prometheus. I'm one of the people that falls in the fence of I didn't really care for it. Didn't think it was the worst movie in the world. Um, but nothing about it was memorable for me. Um, I could obviously go into a whole thing about it, but I, you know, we'll save that for another day. That being said, I, I really don't honestly know how I feel about future alien films, to be honest, because in one term, I mean, obviously, You know, I'm, I like the idea of it because, obviously, I, I enjoy the original Alien. I like the whole mythology behind it, that sort of thing. You know, it's just like, I, I, I'm a big fan of the franchise. On that very same note, anytime you're going into a... You start pre-planning all these sequels, you run into the, the sort of territory of how long are they going to milk this thing or isn't it going to run dry at some point, you know? Yes, exactly. Um, so... It's both a, I'm in for it, but I'm also at the same time always hesitant with things like this because I just don't know, are, are we doing this for, you know, strictly creative purposes? Do we really have, like, are we really enthusiastic about this, this building up this story in some capacity? Or are we doing this sort of as a franchise plan? Like, let's do this, let's keep making money off this, let's keep bringing people in, you know, we can, we can you know, turn people on to the originals through this too and, and, and make more money off DVD sales. I mean, there's so many there's so many financial gains to be made from doing this um, that you can't even begin to count. So I, I, I'm, I'm, both, I'm both excited and both, you know, we'll see what happens. 
Um, at least that's my feelings. I'm curious what is what you think about this. And you've only seen I've only the seen first the very Alien. first Alien. I, I said to myself I was going to watch Aliens this weekend, and that didn't happen. Not that I didn't have being a big Bill Paxton fan. You'll I'm love a big it. Big Bill Paxton fan. I like I, James, I like James Cameron too, and I like Sigourney Weaver. There's no reason why I haven't seen this movie yet. I just haven't seen it yet, and I had plenty of free time to watch it this weekend, and I didn't do it. <laughs> so that's life. But um. What are you snickering about? <laughs> um, <clears throat> excuse me. That being said, I'm a big fan of the first Alien movie. I think that's uh, that's a solid ass fucking movie. Yeah, it's just, and I can't even like say anything more about it that hasn't been said already. But when you look at the Alien franchise as a whole. You can make the argument, when did Aliens come out? Like 85, 86, something like that? Um, well, me, I'm going I'm to fact check you here. Okay. Aliens came out 86. 86. That's it's 2017. That's 31 years. Almost 40 years since the first movie came out. That came out in 79, I believe. Um, one would argue that the franchise hasn't been... One would argue that the franchise hasn't been necessarily good since Aliens. That's a 31... Alien 3 is kind of 50-50 split. It's having sort of a resurgence of, hey, this isn't that bad, but it's just kind of okay. Resurrection is generally shat on by everyone in the world. And Prometheus is more like 60-40 split, le- leaning in favor of all Yeah, there, there's definitely an audience for it, and there are yeah. definitely people that... Um, I think what my biggest problem was also is is one of those classic examples of the hype was a little, little too much. Yeah. Um, you know, and obviously the whole... The alien sort of... And it was sort of a comeback for Ridley Scott, too, who hadn't really done anything like big yeah, he hadn't since, done much and he was i mean he did some he did stuff but he didn't do anything like huge since gladiator really i, yeah. th- I think i, I could believe be that i mean if yeah if i'm thinking correctly that would be i mean he, i know he did matchstick men in between there which was was a great movie but isn't like big and maybe was the hannibal hannibal in between gladiator and prometheus hannibal um, I would believe so. Are you okay. talking about Hannibal? There, it's just called Hannibal. Hannibal. I believe so. It's either it was either the year before Gladiator, or, yeah, or somewhere okay. wedged in between. It might have been two thousand three. Okay, because Gladiator was two thousand one. If I'm not mistaken, yeah, saying. Gladiator was oh one, and then Pro or Matchstick Men, I think was oh two or something like that. And then I want to say Hannibal was oh three. Hannibal would have been like the closest thing, but Hannibal got miserable reviews. Um. That's a shame, too. So, yeah. Um, again, one would argue that that series hasn't been good since The Silence of the Lambs. Um, actually, most would argue that. That being said, and like our good friend Charles Arpin has seen Alien Covenant and really likes it. I'm still not sold on it. All of the media I've seen for it... And there's been plenty of it out there. It's not... Like I said, in a... Uh, it was either uh, Movie Madness or the other Monsters of Midnight. I can't remember. I've been. It must have been Movie Madness. I've been seeing trailers for Alien Covenant left and right. I work at a beat ups. There's TVs fucking everywhere. I'm seeing trailers for that movie on a TV like a minute. It is crazy how much publicity this movie is getting. But they're not showing me anything new or exciting. I'm seeing the same, a lot of the same shtick that we saw in the first Alien. A lot of the same shtick that I understand is in Aliens. This 40, almost 40 year old franchise isn't legitimizing itself for a modern audience. It's banking on, it's banking on the reboot factor. It's banking on the fact that this is... Yeah, your justification can't be, well, it's an Alien film. Exactly. You know, that doesn't do anything. That's... That that's that's insanity. That, 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 that you you just can't walk into it and say, "Well, this is an alien movie, therefore it's going to be good." It's like that's no, that's crazy. Especially you do that with any movie, that be since, insane. Since Aliens, it's been so over all over the map in terms of quality. You need 
they're banking on the reboot factor of maybe this is going to be a young audience's like first real experience with this universe. And that doesn't excite me. It doesn't excite me at all. Maybe I'm totally wrong. It's one of those situations where it's like if you're trying to get people interested in this universe, do something with the original. Re-release yeah. it. Yeah, re you know, exactly. Do an IMAX re release. Fucking release it. Um, and look, I, I might sound hypocritical here because I, I am excited to see Alien Covenant. But that being said, I know where you're coming from because it's like one of those things. It's like if your pure purpose is just to make a reboot or a remake – just to get people invest in this universe, there's no point. Either commit and fucking bite the bullet and remake the movie, or do what you said and do a 40th anniversary re-release in select theaters. I'm sure you get plenty of people to go to it. There, this, there is an audience for it, no matter what you think. There is a hell of an audience for this franchise. And like I said, I hope I'm wrong. I do. I I hope it's a great movie. Or yeah, not a even people, a great movie. I hope it's a good movie. People least. can misconstrue this as well. You know, they're 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 wanting this franchise to fail. That's not what we're saying. That's at all. not what I'm saying. Oh, I hope I hope it legitimizes itself after forty years of or thirty one years of not being a necessarily good franchise. I'm just saying I don't see it working. And in terms of 20th Century Fox uh, open to more sequels, it's like you said, they're milking the cash cow because they're seeing how well Alien Covenant's doing. It has nothing to do... Like I said, that article said nothing, had nothing to do with Ridley Scott. It could, it could be just fucking we're going to hire any Joe Blow to make a new Alien movie because there's a demand for it. It's, yeah. It feels forced... It feels like it's it, even if Alien Covenant is a good movie, it feels like it already feels wrong. I just I don't see it. I don't. I'm not for it. I'm not. I mean, like I'm not against it, but it's like it's like really why at this point? I'm yeah. I'm I'm not look. I'm not holding my breath for any more Alien movies. I guess. So that's that. 20th Century Fox open to milking the cash cow, which transitions really well into our next two topics. I just read they're apparently remaking Resident Evil. Not the video game, mind you. They are remaking the movie. Now, I'm going to bring up the original Bloody Disgusting article because I didn't read it very closely. I just saw the headline. I was like, wow, that's fucking dumb. Need to talk about that. Okay, uh, Sony Screen Gems had boasted this year's Resident. Okay, so Resident Evil: The Final Chapter did a uh, did well. Apparently, I don't know how well, but it did well. Uh, so uh, Sony Screen Gems was quoted saying, "There's no way. I repeat, there's no way that they don't remake Resident Evil with these kind of box office numbers." Um. Da -da -da -da. It's pretty clear that the producers would make some sort of new Resident Evil film. Breaking news came out of Cannes with Martin Moskowitz, Moskowitz, I don't know, chairman of the board at Constantine Films, did confirm to Variety that a reboot is already in development at the giant German production company, which owns the rights to the franchise and produced all of its installments. So maybe it's not – it's probably not going to be a 100% remake, but they are already negotiating, rebooting the Resident Evil franchise. Like, wow. I mean, I – what do you have to say about that? Are we surprised? I mean – I mean, I am a little are bit. Are we really though surprised? Because this is the era we live in. That's true. You know? And we were just talking about with this alien. I mean, if you I can make I'm, I'm money, more, I'm more surprised in the first place that there are so many fucking Resident Evil movies to begin with. But they've always been pretty. They've good been successful. Box office makers, you know, yeah. whether or not we like them or not, they they appeal to people, and and uh, and they've been able to make a suitable franchise, at least financially, mm -hmm. off of them. I'm not surprised in the least bit. When someone comes out and says, you know, if someone wants to come out today and say, we are going to remake Back to the Future, would I be pissed off? Yeah, I would be pissed off because it'd be fucking nonsense. Yeah. Would I be surprised? 
No. (laughs) Because that is the way we, you know, we've sort of, at least this is the way that the big, big studio model has, you know, evolved, essentially. Um, We're seeing it all across the map. You know, everybody likes to say it's just the superhero, you know, movies. I I beg to differ. Star Wars. Even James Bond did it. They James Bond. I mean, there's literally you could stretch this conversation across multiple plot. Yeah, as good as as the Planet of the Apes films are, they're doing the same damn thing. Mm -hmm. So no, this does not shock me. Um, I mean, in a way, I, I should say this though. I I never paid attention that closely to this franchise. I did not know it was as successful as you brought up. Like I knew it was pretty successful. I mean, obviously they keep making movies. I didn't know that it was this successful. They're like, all right, let's reboot the entire thing. Um, but that being said, given that they have made this much money, I mean, if you have the opportunity to keep making it, people are. I mean, Fast and the Furious franchise. People are still going. I, I love that franchise, but people, you know, there. I mean, there. There's no point in making them anymore. They're about to approach Fast and Furious Nine. I mean, what other stories can they go to at this point? You know. So that being said, no, I'm I'm not shocked in the least bit. I have no frame of reference on this this series whatsoever. Right. I'm not going to be at the theater when this comes out. <laughs> um, I'm not. I guess I should never say never. Maybe there's a situation where they cast someone that I'm really into, and maybe. Maybe by oh, some act of God, I choose to go <laughs> yeah. and and then see it. But it, for the most part, I can I can safely say I'm not invested in this whatsoever. But I'm also I'm just not shocked that it's happening. Fair enough. Fair enough. Given the times, I mean, yeah. Um, in terms of Resident Evil, I have a very limited knowledge of the video games themselves, and even a more limited knowledge of the movies. All I know is that the fucking Resident Evil movies are such a anomaly because. When a video, I mean, they made two Silent Hill movies, but this is like the only movie franchise that's based off video games. And not only that, it's the only movie franchise based off of video games that have consistently gotten mediocre to piss poor reviews and still kept coming out. Like, yeah, I mean, we saw with like uh, Hitman, first one came out, people hated it. Um, I don't know how much money it made it. I don't think it made. No, that it much. did well. Oh, it did well. It, okay, both of them did really well, actually. Surprising. Well, that being said, I mean the the, the piss poor reviews of the first one with Timothy Olyphant got. I mean, it got. That's kind of a guilty pleasure. Annihilated. Right? <laughs> well, yeah, you may like. Most people hated it, right? And they said, "All right, let's. We can do this better. Yeah, we can still make that amount of money we made in the first one. Let's just let's just redo it. And then you know, did. and it second went, one's actually worse. Yeah, so. <laughs> Uh yeah, it's there's been I mean, and, uh, Warcraft came out last summer. Yeah, that's really funny though because that movie, I, there were a few people that were actually sort of defending that movie. Okay, it was really I hear, interesting. I was talking to our friend Thomas Bryant, and he said Warcraft is not necessarily a bad movie, but it really banks on the fact that you've played the video game yeah. and have like an intense That's dangerous of territory. It. That's dangerous territory like, he, when you're... he said that him and a friend went to see it and like they he explained it to me like basically if like the if you watched if you came into Fellowship of the Rings like halfway through it that was like going to Warcraft was like being dropped into a world you know nothing about but being expected to understand it all so but but back on Resident Evil I just think it's so because like from what I understand the first movie has some ties to the original video game but isn't like a necessarily good adaptation of the video game I'm curious to see these movies because there's a because there's so fucking many of them. B because I'm on a weird kick where I need to see as many video game movies as I can. God <laughs> rest my fucking soul. Where did that stem from? T- seeing Hitman finally, I think. And when then did you I see just, it. When did I see it? Yeah, no, no, you, I didn't know you. I, I, I figured you. I watched see it, but... them. I think I watched those back in late February. I watched both of them back That's... to back because I was huh. playing through the Hitman games again, and I'm like. All right, I'm going to bite the fucking bullet, see how bad these movies are. And they're bad, 
And I thought I liked the new one more, but then I really thought about it, and I'm like, no, the original is actually better because it's a better adaptation of the video games. The new one is, is, oh my god, it's it's fucking weird. It's weird, and it's bad, and it's bloated, and loud, and stupid. The original is more subdued, like the video games. So that's where it stemmed from. And then I started tallying the video game movies that I had seen, and now I'm trying to see more. But, yeah, so I want to see them kind of, I'm not, I'm not prioritizing them or anything, but I do kind of want to see them. Because the more, the further the series you get, it's like the Fast and Furious, they just look like they're even dumber and more fun. Like, we saw that, we went to see Blair Witch, we saw a trailer for the final chapter, and it just looked gloriously over the top and awful and stupid in the best way possible. Um... Another thing that studios need to stop doing is calling their movie the final chapter because it literally never happens. It, well, I remember Fast Furious is the same thing. Speaking of uh, Fast Furious 6, all roads lead to this. Yeah. You know, 7, they said the same thing, like goodbye or something like that. It was, they've been doing it It's forever. like It's like Friday the 13th did that twice. Nightmare on Elm Street did it. It's like never call your film the final chapter. Saw. Saw, yeah. Final Destination, the Final Destination, and then they made Final Destination 5. It just, it never happens. Stop calling it them that, because it never happens. I am sort of open to an idea of a reboot Resident Evil movie if it is a more faithful adaptation of the video game. However, I know that's not going to happen if it's coming from the same company. I know for a fact it's not going to happen. It's just going to be another, it's going to be another miserable video game movie. It's going to upset core fans of the video games and upset critics because it's not a good movie. That's <laughs> all there is to it. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it'll be the the best video game ever, movie ever made, but I doubt it. So <laughs> there's that. Um, yeah, and on top of oh, excuse me, horror movie reboots, Leatherface, a prequel story, is due to come out this October, which took me by surprise because I had heard nothing about this movie until all of a sudden it has a release date for this October. Graham, what are your opinions on a prequel Texas Chainsaw Massacre? I usually don't like to be this harsh when discussing a new movie or the idea of a movie before even seeing a bit of footage from it but fuck this already (laughs) like honestly i i i hate this already and maybe it's because every single one of these texas chainsaw massacre prequel spinoff weird sequel things they've all kind of just left such a bad taste in my mouth at this point that it's almost like inconceivable that one of them is just out of nowhere going to be great Never say never. Like, I keep saying that, but at the same time, it's just like, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3D was just abysmal in every possible way. Well, this is, again, this is another franchise that has pretty much been bad since the first movie. I mean, the first, not since the first movie, since the the sequels. Like, all the sequels have debatably been bad. Yeah, and... The second one, apparently, is pretty good. Texas Chainsaw Massacre... Okay, let's look at... Let's kind of rewind this here. So, Texas Chainsaw Massacre... Comes out in 2003. Now we're talking the remake. Remake, yeah. It's bad. It's not the worst of those remake bunches by any stretch of the imagination, but it is not good either. I'd say still the worst is taken by Nightmare on Elm Street. That was about to say. I think it probably goes Halloween, Friday the 13th, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Nightmare on Elm Street. That's my ranking of the, the remakes. Then we fast forward to 2006, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the beginning. I think is even worse than the Texas Chainsaw Massacre of 2003. It's been a while since I've seen them, but from what I can recall, pretty awful, yeah. pretty forgettable. Isn't that a prequel, too? That's a prequel. Yeah, that is a what prequel because it, it outlines the origins, what, how his family influenced Leatherface to become this just over-the-top killer. It's, 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 it's bad. Um... Fast forward then to Texas Chainsaw Massacre uh, 3D, which was also titled Leatherface at one point in time. That movie took 
God, it was supposed to come out October 2011, if I'm not mistaken, and they kept pushing it back until it got this weird, like, January of 2013 release. Yeah. Um, that movie is dreadful. The only thing I will say about it is there are a few scenes that are a little fun. The carnival scenes, they're, they're a little fun. I'm not going to lie. Um, there, there's some entertaining moments um, sort of sprinkled throughout, but for the most part... Not even close on, on any sort of level to the original. It's 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 so utterly pointless, um, and absolutely nobody was talking about it when it came out. No, oh, yeah, because they got the January release, and you, when and, your horror movie comes out in January, it's fucking doomed to be forgotten. Yeah, exactly. Like, bye bye, man. <laughs> and so we get to this point after three dreadful movies in a row that I've seen. I just don't see how this. I don't see where they take this in a new direction that's going to that's going to get me invested in it, mm-hmm. you know? Um it just to me and, and people could say, "Well, why are you excited for the Halloween franchise, you know, the new Halloween film?" Well, there's a catch here. First of all, the original maker of the film is excited about it and is even consider is he doing the score officially? It's not officially confirmed. He said he would But may- he's interested. He would maybe do it. He's interested. Yeah. That alone has already puts this above uh, Leatherface in terms of excitement. The fact that we're now just hearing about this movie too, mm-hmm. does that show an indication that the studio isn't that excited about it either? Mm-hmm. Who knows? Um, there's a lot of things I just don't, that, that kind of that really concern me uh, when it comes to this. So I am 100% against this. Um, if it pops up on Netflix, man, I saw Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3D on Netflix, and it was dreadful, and I felt like my time was wasted, <laughs> you know, um, even it being through Netflix. Um, so I I am definitely, uh, I'm against this. That, that's long story short. Yeah. Um, I, I would have to agree. Um, I didn't give it quite, sorry, I'm googling something here i didn't quite think about it as in depth as you did i just thought of it purely from the the standpoint of why why make a prequel about a serial killer when it's a it's your second attempt and b showing the showing the answers to the mystery of why this family is fucked up or why why Leatherface is the way he is, you take away what makes the original so frightening and what makes the character so frightening. Half of te- the best part of Texas Chainsaw Massacre is not knowing what the hell is wrong with this family and why they derive so much joy from tormenting people. There is a there is yeah there's I'm sure there's a backstory there, but it's not one that I need to know to be scared. Telling me why I need to be scared doesn't doesn't make me scared. You're you're showing. You're sh- you're 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 showing your hand. You're you're exposing your secrets, and I don't think it'll work. I think this franchise has just been drugged through the dirt for far too long. It hasn't had a successful film since the first first one. Just let it die. It's just been it's just a being abused at this point. Just let it fucking die. That's all I have to say about that. And like you said, all the things that you said about it, too, I agree with. I just didn't think about it that deep. I just think... I just have a bad personal history with that movie. Those movies. <laughs> yeah, um, I just... Yeah, no. Not looking forward to a Leatherface prequel. New film coming out of the woodworks announced by George A. Rom- or not announced by him, but announced... To be made by George A. Romero, the creator of Night of the Living Dead, the first true-to-character zombie film, is a new film in this series, presumably, called Road of the Dead. 
According to IndieWire, the film is set on an island where zombie prisoners race cars in a modern-day coliseum for the entertainment of wealthy humans. The project is described as Road Warrior meets Rollerball at a NASCAR race with significant inspiration from Ben-Hur. Romero is co-writing the script with Matt Berman, who was second unit director on several of Romero's previous Undead Tales, including 2005's Land of the Dead and 2007's Diary of the Dead, and he will direct the new film. It will be showcased at Frontiers, an international co-production market which has announced its first wave of projects. So, Graham, I don't know what your experience is with the George A. Romero franchise. However, based on the synopsis I just gave you, what do you think of George A. Romero's Road of the Dead? Um, like I said, I, uh, I didn't actually say that. I don't know why I said, like I said, (laughs) never said this before. Um, yeah, I, I, I have no frame of reference. I'm going to be perfectly honest. Um. I'm kind of a, I'm kind of uneducated in the world of zombie films because my favorite zombie film is Zombieland. So that alone, <laughs> right there, should indicate to you that movie. That, it's a really, you know, it's a great movie. Um, but my, my, I haven't seen much. I've seen, I've seen a bit of Night of the Living Dead. If You've I'm not seen mistaken, Shaun of the Dead, haven't you? I haven't seen Shaun of the Dead. Oh, you haven't? No. Wow. Um, I've seen Dawn of the Dead, the remake. Zack Snyder, I enjoy it. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's. Yeah, you're that one's pretty good. Yeah, it's not bad. Um, in terms of we're talking about horror movie remakes, yeah. that one isn't uh, wasn't isn't too bad. But besides that, I mean, all I know George Romero from it. This is going to sound blasphemous to people who are huge horror fans, but really only know him from hosting Fear Fest back in 2011 on AMC. He was in one of the Call of Duty zombie uh, campaigns. Too. Really? Yeah. That's I interesting. Which, in, you know I which, one? which one? It, I forget which one it was, but it was a campaign where like you were on a horror movie set, and I think uh, Robert England was there, and George. A., you didn't play as George A. Romero, but he was like the director, and you could play as Robert England, and I want to say Sarah Michelle Geller, and there were two other people that I can't remember. Interesting. That being said, yeah, I uh, I don't have much to go off of. So I'm really, honestly, I'm not going to give an opinion about what I think about this. I mean, once I go and actually educate myself in this genre a little bit more than I, you know, have already, I um, I can probably give a more full perspective on this uh, in terms of, you know, in terms of zombie movies and stuff like that. I like the concept, though, of it. Yeah. Have the, I mean, that's a, that's a really unique idea. I mean, honestly, anytime someone brings in a Mad Max film, you know, when they start talking about Mad Max, I get a little, a little excited. So, but that that that's literally all I can say. To be perfectly honest, with them, you know, I don't want to give um, thoughts on something I don't know much about. Mm-hmm. So, how about well, yourself? All right, um, Night of the Living Dead is one of my favorite horror movies. One of my favorite movies. Period. Same with Dawn of the Dead. Both of those movies are phenomenal pieces of cinema. Must be seen. Day of the Dead is pretty solid, too. My least favorite in the trilogy. I want to rewatch it, but it's a pretty solid film. Um, But, and I hear Land of the Dead is pretty good, but I haven't seen it. But George A. Romero has infamously been losing his touch since, since like, the 90s. I mean, he's he's made a lot of movies, and he made a lot of like exploitation, low budget films throughout the the seventies and eighties. But he's been really infamously losing his touch since the nineties, and that's leaked its way into, excuse me, the last few of his dead movies, which was Diary of the Dead, which was an attempt of really, really late attempt, I mean, I guess not really late attempt because Paranormal Activity was big then, wow. But an attempt to cash in on found footage and then Survival of the Dead, which I hear is pretty, pretty bad. Um, so, but George A. Romero fascinates me because he's the only, one of the few filmmakers I know to create his own horror movie universe and then stick with it. Like, from Night of Living Dead to presumably Survival of the Dead, it's the same world. The apocalypse is just further along. 
at least I can say that for certain from Night of the Living Dead to Land of the Dead, because I know, like, a certain zombie from Dawn of the Dead reappears in Land of the Dead. So that's immediately really interesting to me to show a progression of this apocalypse. This new idea, I think, is interesting as if, like, this is how the world has adapted to it, to, like, using zombies for sport like this. And the whole, again, the whole Fury Road, capitalizing on the success of Fury Road, I think it's a smart move. I think... I think, yeah, like you said, the idea has a lot of potential. I just hope for George A. Romero's sake that he can he can make some kind of lightning strike again. Because the man's getting old, and if he doesn't... Same thing we've been talking about since the beginning of this podcast. If you don't legitimize having the same series since 1968 then it's time to hang up the hang up the saddle because it's 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 dead no pun intended hang up the saddle hang up the saddle <laughs> um but yeah um i lightheartedly fuck with road of the dead i think the concept is interesting i think i would like to see a return from george romero presuming everything goes well so that's Road of the Dead being crowdfunded, coming to a theater near you sometime this lifetime. Okay, so that wraps it up for Horror Film News. Let's get into the editorial segment of this Monsters at Midnight episode. And this is something that I've been wanting to discuss with you because it's something that I've been noticing. And that's, why do most horror movie trailers suck? I have some reasons of my own. I'd like to hear what you think about it. Well, I can say this much. I actually don't hate most horror movie trailers, so maybe we have some differing opinions here. That being said, when one sucks, it really sucks. Mm. There's a few ones that I do like, though. Um, I'm a big fan of the It Follows trailer. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm actually a pretty big fan of the Blair Witch trailer, uh, the new one. Um, I guess even the old one. I guess. <laughs> Throw that in there. Are we talking modern? In in general, because I have some examples of old horror movie trailers that are awful, too. Yeah, I would actually, is going to bring that up. I think some of the older movie trailers in this, you know, in, in terms of horror movies, and, and maybe this is just a product of the time, awfully edited. Yeah. Um, just, just way too drawn out, way too... Maybe this is just a you know an example of sort of the more I mean editing has definitely come a long way. I mean if you even just look at the way films are edited, um, not just trailers but you know actual movies themselves, it's much more quick. It's much more. I mean, yeah, you have the slower drawn movies, but even then, those movies compared to older movies are quicker. Um, so, but I, I I have a hard time getting into those. You know, watching the original trailer for let's say Halloween or watching the original trailer for Nightmare on Elm Street. I love the movies. The original trailer for Halloween's pretty bad. Yeah, it's just not well conceived. I just honestly, I I do think it. Ha- I don't know if it has anything really to do with the subject matter. I think it's just a matter of a sloppy edit. Mm-hmm. The same thing goes for uh, the one that uh, Ouija, the second one. Um, what the hell is the the, the Whatever it's called. Revitalizing Surgeon's Vengeance. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> Covenant. Um, which proves how memorable the damn thing was, because I can't even remember the, yeah. the, the subtitle. I was so bored by it. It was just a stale, stale conventional trailer. A lot of these... I think what it is, is... Um, and maybe you'll touch on this more, I have no idea, but a lot of them have this specific formula... That each, whether it's the same studio or not, each one of them copies off the other one. Here's what it is. Not all of them do this, but I would say a decent portion are starting to do this. They take a, a what would be naturally conceived as a upbeat song, and they make it really, really creepy, and they maybe loop it throughout the trailer. Um, that That's one technique. A lot of them just, they, they feel really really repetitive um and a lot of them feel very 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 just just the same and and that eventually over a long once you start seeing them constantly i mean i don't know what the rate of 
mainstream horror movies is now in terms of how many we get per year. But it's got to be at least two or three big ones each year, um, if not a little bit more. Um, but once you see three of them in a year and they all kind of feel the same, that gets old after a while. So there's there's a, definitely a formula going on um, with the way the trailers are drawn up. Um, that being said, I can't I can't generalize this to all of them. There are a few examples of some really solid horror movie trailers that I enjoy, but um, I'm interested in your thoughts because I don't know. I think, yeah, and you bring up some good points. Uh, I think so many trailers, like, it's the formula that bothers me the most. It's, it's this very standard editing pattern of a lot of quick shots and a lot of, like, a lot of bizarre sound cues. And then there's always the moment at the end where the sound is desaturated because you know a jump scare is coming. My biggest problem with horror movie trailers is that so many of them spoil all the good moments of the movie in the in just the the first trailer you have for it. And I'm not even talking about like because a lot of old horror movie trailers do this too. The, the the official trailer for the original Carrie is awful. It shows like the entirety of the the prom scene finale, which is one of those things that yeah you need to. It almost would be awesome if you didn't see it at all and you're like where's this movie going exactly maybe yeah. you set up the whole prank that they play on her and you might hint at some sort of revenge but you don't show it exactly there's so that's many an idea and that again that's a product of the time that was still the era of exploitation when like well stuff had to travel by word of mouth you didn't have the internet then so in a way it makes sense but it's also like wow that you just like you're showing the into- the not only that, but like the best part of the movie, and I think a lot of modern horror tr- movie trailers do that too. They show a lot of the best parts of the film, and it's tiring, and it just it shows how stale and routine a lot of the genre has become today. And it frust- that's why we were praising the trailer for "It Comes at Night" so much because. It's showing virtually nothing about the plot. It's not relying on stupid jump scares to to make you jump and go like, oh man, spooky movie coming my way. It looks like it's actually a thought, well thought out fucking movie. And that's what bothers me the most about horror movie trailers is the lack of originality, the lack of passion the lack of the formula formula of it it's it just it, it reflects how poor a lot of mainstream horror movies are and that's why trailer movies suck or trailer what the fuck horror movie trailers 90 percent of the time are garbage to me yeah when you start uh when you do notice one that um is decent it stands out Mm-hmm. You know, like like the It Follows one I actually did enjoy. That being said, it does also spoil some of the best moments of the movie. Yeah. Um. So, but 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 generally, when you see one that's like, all right, that didn't. But feel- you can only cut a trailer about like someone following people so many ways. Yeah, you're kind of limited in that capacity. But, yeah. So. Um. So yeah, that's our thoughts on that. We got one more topic to discuss. Something that's really close to me. I'd like to hear more about your experience. Oh, do we have the uh, most underrated horror films? Didn't, I feel like we did that on another podcast. So we might have. Th- that's why I'm skipping it because I feel like we did that on another podcast. So we're gonna uh, we're gonna finish off with something that I'm really passionate about, and that's horror movie soundtracks. If a horror movie nails the soundtrack. Half, some of the time, it nails half the movie for me. Graham, I just want you to list off a few of your favorite horror movie soundtracks and why. Um, Halloween. It's classic. Yeah, because what else can you say? I mean, what, what else? I mean, everything that's been said has already been said about that. It follows, without a doubt. Um, I know this is going to cause Matt to murder me on Monsters of Midnight, but... Um, <laughs> It follows to me is a, is a is a is a good movie. I enjoy the soundtrack more if I'm being completely honest. That's, oh, that's fair. I enjoy I drew the I enjoy the movie, but um, the the, the glaring 
uh, standout of that movie is the soundtrack. I need to get that in some capacity. I don't have a vinyl player. I know those things are coming back. I'm like the one who doesn't have one right now. I'm just collecting old. I'm just collecting iTunes. CDs. It's on iTunes. So yeah, no, I'm trying to get CD. more CDs. So maybe there I'll pick that one up. It, so yeah. Um, that one's awesome. Nightmare on Elm Street. I like the Nightmare on Elm Street. Soundtrack. A lot. That's probably my favorite of the bunch. Um, those three really are the ones that stand out. When I think of just essential, you know, if someone was to come up to me and say, what of, um, what horror movie soundtrack or score do I need to listen to the most? Those are the three I point to. I know we've talked about Sinisters before and how weird that is. I just like how different it is, to be yeah, perfectly no, honest. That's fair. Because, like, you definitely, when I, even when we're, like, I'll, I'll play one out of the random, you know, uh, a random uh, track from that movie. We kind of already know it's Sinister. It's just a unique, like, weird. Yeah, it's like dubstep. It's like weird electronic. Like it's it's very electronica. It's very. What's really interesting about it too is that when you listen to it on its own, you 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 think you're like, how in the world could this fit with that movie? Yeah, given the subject matter, and it does. It oddly. does. Yeah, it's really odd how well it kind of meshes together. Mm-hmm. Um, and also I think it it's even better when it's in the movie because it really enhances some of the creepier uh, moments from that movie. So. Those, but the, the three standouts for me. It follows Halloween and Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, I, I, I will always love those soundtracks. Uh, but I, I know you have a lot more to say on this. I'm sure you got a few more uh, to list. Yeah, um, that's that's a solid list. Three of those. I, I'm not even gonna say any more about those three because I love those soundtracks too. Halloween being my favorite horror probably my favorite movie soundtrack in general, but that's a bold statement. There's a lot of great movie soundtracks out there. Um, what was that? <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> um, um, ones I do want to mention, though. Psycho. Like, how can you not talk about the Psycho soundtrack? Iconic. Um, yeah. there's a, it's, 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 The thing is, like, what else can be said? The fucking Psycho soundtrack is iconic. It made, like, movie soundtracks an important thing, pretty much. Ah, well, debatable. Debatable, because The Wizard of Oz and Gone with the Wind came out long before Psycho, and those movies have brilliant soundtracks. So, forget that. But horror movie soundtracks, I would argue, Psycho did a lot for, especially for John Carpenter. Um, speaking of John Carpenter, I love the soundtrack for Halloween 3. I think that's one of... One of John Carpenter's better scores and one of his more underrated scores, too, I would say. I also really like the soundtrack for Christine. If we're talking about John Carpenter, then the soundtrack for In the Mouth of Madness, too. I like... Um, oh, I was thinking about one. Um, <laughs> I love the soundtracks for the Friday the 13th movies. I think those movies have some really great music in them. Say what you will about the movies... I really like the soundtracks for the Friday the 13th movies. Um, in terms of modern horror movies, I'm trying to think. Uh, oh, the original Evil Dead has a great score. The new Evil Dead has a pretty solid score. I love... And this and this is arguably... You can debate whether or not this is a horror movie. But Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me has a brilliant soundtrack. Shouts to the... Revival that aired tonight that I'll hopefully be watching tomorrow. Oh God, so he, pumped! He says, "Hopefully, hopefully." No, I mean, like, not hopefully. There either there will be a. <laughs> I'll figure out some way to watch it tomorrow. You have short. F- fuck. Okay. Well, problem solved there. <laughs> okay. Um. All right. So I'm watching. Definitely, for sure, watching Twin Peaks tomorrow. Um, I'll be there. <laughs> All right, fine. You're going to be really confused. I guarantee you're going to be really confused. He doesn't know. I'm not going to be here tomorrow, Matt. Oh, that's right. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm an idiot. I was testing you. I'm so All sad. right, continue. So continue. Um, again, another movie that's uh, debatable whether it's a true horror movie, but The Neon Demon has a f- fucking amazing electronic soundtrack. The more I listen to that, soundtrack the more i fall in love with it um that's all that's immediately coming to mind that's also like the few that i have on my phone at the moment i am trying to think of anything else that i would be missing 
I cannot think of anything. So we're going to end the episode. So <laughs> Basically, <laughs> on a, a, Matt lost his train of thought. Yeah, and I'm now just geeked about Twin Peaks and Mason t- telling me he has showtime. Um, so, yeah, thank you for tuning in, turning in to the May <laughs> edition of Monsters at Midnight. I don't know when we'll be back because Senior Azima is moving far, far away from here. I'm moving to Australia. Yeah, it's far, far away. And but we'll be back at some point. Let if, and if nothing else, we'll be back rocking the mic all October long, or at least every Saturday in October. Um. So yeah, that's that, Graham. Thank you for being on. Uh, as thank always, you, thank you for provi- I'm here providing this. So, my children of the night, return to your coffins, for sun will soon be upon us, and we will emerge again next month, or whenever the fuck we can, with a hot, new, juicy episode of Monsters of Midnight you can sink your fangs into. Have a good night. It's the semi-annual sale at Mattress Firm. For a limited time, get huge savings of up to $500 on our top-rated mattresses. We have more than 15 beds with over four-star ratings on sale store-wide. Like our fan-favorite Serta Memory Foam Queen mattress, now just $397. You won't find this deal anywhere else. But hurry in, this sale ends Tuesday. Your budget stretches further at Mattress Firm. Restrictions apply. Valid at participating locations only. For offer details, visit mattressfirm.com slash sale. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.